0: Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we're going to be following up on our episode about downsizing that we did at the end of last year. And we're going to be doing it with two emails sent in by listeners. Now, I did not officially get permission to share these emails. So I'm hoping it's okay. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for sending in your thoughts and stories. And as a reminder, any of you listening can always write to us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have follow-up ideas about a show we did, if you want us to continue talking about it in a different way, or if you have a totally different show idea of your very own. The downsizing topic came from a listener, and now we are following up on it with two other listeners. So you never know when a conversation can continue. Tiffany is, of course, in Rome, Italy. I am in Seattle in the United States. And Tiffany, you're going to read us our first follow-up email on the downsizing episode. Yes, I am. Okay, please.
1: This is from Mary, who writes, I absolutely loved the episode on downsizing. Maybe it's my age and stage in life, Maybe it's because I've had to deal with cleaning out the homes of family members. Maybe because a couple of years ago, my niece, who will have to deal with my jammed, packed house one day, gave me a book, The Swedish Art of Gentle Death Cleaning. A hint, do you think? Oh, geez. I am a sentimental sort with various pieces of china, particularly teacup sets from my aunt, my mother, my grandmother, and my husband's mother. None valuable, but all with a story, at least in my head. So I have carefully boxed up the different sets and as my grandnieces get their own homes, they will get a box with a letter from us explaining how their ancestor might have used the set and with the explicit direction that they are under no obligation to keep the stuff I could not throw away. First grandniece gets her stuff this Christmas. We'll see how it goes. Thank you again for a highly entertaining episode.
0: And of course that was sent before Christmas, so I would love to know how it went. I think that's so great. I would love I to do see too. that collection so cool and I love mm-hmm. the idea of getting a note along with it that explains the history as you know it it does make it hard yes. to throw away
1: well I mean I think that she kind of lets them off the hook by saying you you don't you're not only under under obligation to keep this stuff mm-hmm. because sometimes you do feel like you know guilty if you give away if you get rid of heirlooms but then can't keep everything
0: can't keep everything as we've
1: as we've learned from from Michael.
0: That's right. All right, and our second email comes from Teresa. and She writes, Hi, Katie and Tiffany. Loved the downsizing episode recently, and I wanted to pose a question to you both that came up for me as I listened. I have occasionally thought about what I'd like people to do with my journals when I'm no longer around. I have been a sporadic but constant journaler since I was in high school, so they have piled up for over 25 years or so. I feel like you've both mentioned journaling, perhaps, at points in your life, so it could make for an interesting episode about what you both would want people to do with your your journals. I'll mention, too, that in an ideal world, I'd have time to review the very old ones and edit out the most embarrassing entries, but life is always busy, so I think I'm realizing that that will likely never happen. Also, I have a daughter, and I think there could be some interesting parts within these that she might value looking through sometime after I'm gone. Just a couple things factoring into my decision. Hope you and your families have a really fun holiday season. Again, said before the holidays, and we did. (laughs) So it's kind of a wider thing about what to do with the journals. And this brought up for me follow-up questions. Uh, First of all, you are, are a journaler or an inconsistent journaler. Do you still journal? I have
1: restarted journaling but I'm I've been a journaler my whole life uh, or, or yeah I, I'd say pretty much my whole adult life at least and and my later teen years but I ever since let's say the end of college I've been a very inconsistent journaler I was very consistent through grad school and the first year the first few years I was living in Italy and then I grew very inconsistent so I'm but I I really do believe it it brings so much to your life that um, I've started up again. I'm making a concerted effort to write regularly.
0: Well, what does it bring to your life, would you say?
1: Well, clarity, for one thing. I think that, I mean, so often happens that you're writing, you're writing, and you're probably writing about something totally dull and uninteresting at first. And then all of a sudden, something pops out that you didn't realize was troubling you or you didn't realize, or a solution. So I've had solutions to problems just come out in the journaling process where I don't know if I'd ever come up with that solution if I hadn't been just writing about it. Hmm. So those are the main reasons for me. Helps me get my thoughts straight, especially if I'm going through something difficult. And also just, I think it's a wonderful record of a time. Now, like Teresa says, who has time to go back and read their old journals most of us don't however there are some moments in life that stick out some periods in our own lives that stick out as being particularly momentous i can imagine like right after the birth of your child or when you first move abroad or when you're in college you know certain you've just moved out of your parents home certain particular moments that i would love to go back and see what i was thinking and doing then because a lot of times you you know you write about just what you're doing and So easy to forget uh, Mm -hmm. the details of our lives and forget things that, you know, in the moment you think I'll never forget this, but, but you do forget. Yeah. So I think it's valuable for that too.
0: Hmm. I have not really kept a consistent journal in the way that you're talking about as far as like recording the daily events and thoughts, probably since I lived in Rome in 2013 and 14, where there I was filling up journal after journal after journal But I do often keep different journals for different things. Like, I have one right now that is mostly full of ideas for whatever creative projects I'm working for, working on, you know, like, so that I have a place to write them down and know that that's where I wrote them down, (laughs) you know, instead Mm -hmm. of like the fragments of papers that are all over my desk. (laughs) And sometimes there's a thought written in there about something that happened in my life, but most of the time it's just random ideas put together. Uh, And then I have other journals that are a little bit more sacred journals, I guess, where I don't write random stuff in them. I only write down things that I really don't want to forget or something somebody said to me or... uh, line-by-line text exchange that I had with a friend that was particularly meaningful. Sometimes I'll write out exactly what we wrote because those texts get buried as Mm -hmm. your communication gets filled in, and sometimes what you said in that exchange is so great, and I don't want to forget that we specifically said it that way. So I'll write it down in this more sacred journal, which is very slow to be filled. That journal might be around for I don't even know (laughs) how long for ages and then in the past I feel like I used to record more thoughts on a calendar like a wall calendar like in high school I used to write down before you saved everything on your phone I used to write down who I was seeing on the calendar as the plans came and now when I look back I can see where the play rehearsal was and I would also do it in reverse. So if you and I and a group of friends ended up going out on a Saturday night after performing a play, I would write where we went and who was there. And I can't see necessarily... that's really cool. I know. I, and I can't remember. Like I wouldn't put the details in about like what happened when we were there or, you know, like it doesn't have any details. But at least you can kind of see the layout of who you were seeing and when during that mm-hmm. period of time. And I have a just a couple of those high school calendars saved still. And then, you know, back when I was a little kid, I tried to have a diary, you know, somewhere with a lock on it, something to put <laughs> your really, really secret thoughts that you didn't want anyone to know. But mm-hmm. in there, I'm not writing anything of interest. Like I'm going to the park and I'm saying, there are four male mallards, three females, two geese, <laughs> one wood duck. And then it will be like, Saturday, five male mallards.
1: You were know? <laughs> <laughs> like... an avid bird watcher,
0: Katie, even then. I think um, I didn't know what to do with it. Like, I, I knew well, that I think... people had diaries, and I, I loved reading stories about kids with diaries, but I, not much was going on. you know. <laughs> so I find even myself
1: even now, especially because I'm just sort of getting back into the habit of journal writing after it's been a while. And part of having a journal writing habit, I think is making it a habit. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta kind of push through. It's like, it's like when you're writing, it's like when you're learning how to be a writer, you know, they say there's like some expression, I can't remember what it is. It's like, you have to write a million bad words, like, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. you can start and then you'll start writing good words. Mm. I feel like sometimes you just have to write through all the crud, like, just keep writing. And, you know, I mean, I did the artist's way just like you did. Yeah, when you were in Rome. And I remember, you know, she, of course, one of the things that you have to do, if you're doing the artist's ways, you have to do your three morning pages every day. And I remember one of the things she said was, if you can't bear to write anything, just write, just write whatever, right? I can't bear to write anything. I can't, you know, just write whatever it is. And I find myself sometimes writing down the most stupid, boring details, because I want to keep my pencil moving. But, you know, if you continue to do that, oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes, you will come through to something that you actually want to write about and has meaning. Maybe it's something you're working through, or maybe it's just something you want to remember. But I think that most. I would. I would guess that most people's journals, adults and kids, have a lot of crap in them and a lot of really, really boring stuff that no one, not even them, (laughs) not even who's the person who's writing it, would ever want to read again. That's so true. And I think most of us. I don't know about Teresa, but I feel like most of us wouldn't want anyone to
0: ever read our journals. That's how I feel. I don't know. Well, this actually kind of leads me to some of my follow-up questions on this topic. I wanted to talk about, I mean, you said you don't want anyone ever to to read them. And Teresa says that she would want to have the time to go through, find the embarrassing entries and edit them out <laughs> and then well pass the journals on to somebody else. What?
1: I have my way of looking at my own journals and then I have my way of looking at other people's journals. Because when you read that, I thought to myself, oh, but those are the best bits. Like you've got to keep <laughs> in the embarrassing stuff. Like that's the fun part. That's the part that's going to make people laugh because the rest of it, no offense, Teresa, is probably pretty boring. Whereas <laughs> the embarrassing stuff is probably the best part. I mean, for all of us, for you, your malodorous stuff is probably the best part. Uh, I know a girl on Instagram who every so often she she's a writer as well but every so often she'll post like a page of her diary from when she was in
0: like middle school or something and it's hilarious Mm -hmm.
1: it's just so funny yes there's
0: a program here in Seattle I I think it might not be running anymore, but it used to be running. It was run by two friends of mine, Jeannie Yandel and Phyllis Fletcher, and it was called The Salon of Shame, and it was basically just people getting up and reading their journal entries from middle school. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> and it was so, so funny. But, I mean, I guess that that's my question of um, that that desire to edit things like that out, these embarrassing moments out of our lives, and, and really even the bigger question of... Um, that's you're hinting at is that not wanting people after you to read these journals. And I've always been curious just because like, I wish I had the full journals of say my grandparents where I, I know everything about their inner life. I know all of the secrets they never told anybody else because I, I just, I just wish I knew all of the stories that happened and because I mean I get the idea of keeping certain things secret but I also feel like you can learn so much from other people by not keeping those things secret by showing that things are messy or unconventional or that this happened that happened all these things that you wouldn't expect wouldn't you want to know all those things like absolutely I mean and and like, but then Absolutely. it gets to the question of like your own secrets. Do you want everybody to know that after you're gone? And in a way, it probably wouldn't matter if they did. And, I know, because you're gone. Yeah, and in some ways, I feel like you know, like I wish I I don't even know how to say it. I wish I had the rights to those. I wish I had the rights to the secrets of the people who came before me. I wish I had the book of every single ancestor that happened in all of the things that they did without any moralization of right and wrong. You know, I just wish I knew all of the (laughs) things, you know, in their rich, full messiness. And I do think that we, I don't know, this idea of like, oh, I would want to edit my journals before anyone read them. It is the same thing that we do where we try to make life kind of clean and nice looking and, and perfect and that were well-accomplished people and not also, you know, flawed individuals along the way.
1: Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think, I think for me, I, I just would want to get rid of the boring stuff. <laughs> like, I got, you know, I, there, I feel like so much of my journals have got to be just utterly crashingly boring and I wouldn't want anyone to have to weed through that and be like wow she actually thought that this was an important enough thought to write down
0: <laughs> like yeah um I know think about that with like oh. certain famous writers or something where they're like journals are published Published. Later.
1: <laughs> well yeah yeah well I discovered Anais Nin's diaries in the Boston Public Library when I was in college I don't know I got into Anais Nin for a while and I'd heard that she'd published her, her diaries. And so I went to the public library. They were all there, the entire set from like the time she was 12 until the time she died.
0: Ugh. Like every
1: year I got out her early diaries and I checked them out. She had pictures in them. She had drawings. It was interesting, but it does make you think like, what kind of a person do you have to be to have all of your your journals published? Either you're just a genius and every single thing that you write down is fascinating and Mm -hmm. and deep and so meaningful or they're highly edited. I don't know. I don't know if they were edited or not, but um, I was always just completely amazed that that her journals were published like that from the time she was 12.
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, Do you remember when the years ago when the Diary of Mark Twain volume one was released? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't think I ever heard about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was it was about the size of a dictionary. It was gigantic, okay? I got it for free. It's the only reason I owned it and flipped through it. As far as I can tell, it was unedited. And the, a volume one spanned a certain number of years, and then they were going to come out with volume two as well. But the problem with volume one, at least as far as I experienced it, because I was like, oh, I'm interested in Mark Twain. I'll read some of his diary. So much of it is him discussing, complaining, roasting people that we don't know about anymore. Like, historically, yeah. we've lost them. They might have been well-known at the time, or they might have been moderately known at the time, or maybe they were just his neighbor, you know? But, but either way, <laughs> so much of it, you're reading it and you're thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. So you're almost just, like, lost in the weeds of his secret complaints I'm sure that there were more meaningful passages in there than just him making fun of one person or another. But that's so all maybe I remember about you, it You now. need a good editor. <laughs> but that's why maybe they needed to be edited, you know? Get rid of
1: all the stuff that's just inconsequential. Even if it were your great-grandparents and you were the only one who was going to read these diaries – Would you really want to weed through like, you know, Marcy had a fever. It was, you know, this morning and I gave her this medicine and then she threw up and then I had to change her diaper and then I took her for a walk and she
0: seemed to feel better and then she got worse again. Like, would you want to read that? Well, it depends, because I think when it comes to your ancestors, it gets more interesting. And I think the further you get back in history. So let's say you're reading all that about Marcy and her illness and yet you know that this ancestor is living through the midst of the civil war.
1: all of a sudden, you're
0: like, "Wow, this is sort of interesting, you know? yeah, so that's it's all true. about, you know, maybe Mark Twain's observations of his neighbors will be interesting twenty two hundred years from now in a way that it's not currently. You know, I don't know. But I do think that might true sure about that. yeah, when it comes to your ancestors, <laughs> though, things that might not seem interesting could become interesting just because it would give you an insight into like how their brain works, the minutiae of their day to day. And you mm-hmm. also will be looking for, I think traces of your own self and how you came to be and in, in what all of these people did. So I don't have the
1: details on this, but Diane Keaton, do you know mm-hmm. Diane Keaton, familiar, wonderful, wonderful, brilliant actress. She published a book probably about five years ago because basically what happened was she discovered her deceased mother's journals mm. and apparently they were hilarious mm-hmm. and they were really kind of a little bit harsh. She kind of said some mean things, you know, kind of like the kind of journals that if you were the, the one writing them, you're like, Oh God, I hope my kids never read this sort of thing. Yeah. But she, you know, their daughter did end up reading it and apparently loved it and just thought it was hilarious and brilliant and 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 I think she got them published I I don't know I I don't know how much of the book is the mom's journals versus Diane Keaton's commentary on them I didn't read the book but I saw her on like some talk show talking about it and she read a few excerpts and it sounded fantastic Hmm. so yeah I mean I guess you know some people do get that win that jackpot of finding a ancestor's journal and actually having it be
0: interesting well, and then there is this larger question of like, what do you want done with your journals when you're gone? Yes. Now, yes. I, I think if memory serves, since we brought up Mark Twain, I believe that he had made an agreement that people could publish his diaries, but they couldn't publish it until a 100 years after he had died.
1: <gasps> is that why they just came out?
0: Well, not just, but yeah. Whatever amount of time it was, it was to ensure that everybody that he talked slanderously about would be
1: dead. (laughs) It was dead. By the time
0: (laughs) this was released to the public. But I mean, that is a real question when you talk about downsizing your home, getting rid of all of these papers and mementos that will mean nothing to anybody else what to do with the journals it is a really really hard question because you could you could definitely throw them out like you said they're full of a lot of nonsense and certainly a lot of things that you never want to read again but mm-hmm. it does feel strange to throw them out you know yeah so what do you want done with them? If you don't want Aurelio to have to read them, what do you? What <laughs> to would you have do to read them? Well, of course, you wouldn't have to read them, but you know, if you don't want him to suffer <laughs> the reading of them long after you're gone. Ah, uh, yeah,
1: I don't think there's <laughs> anything in my diary. There's a, there's a couple ones that are I probably wouldn't want anyone to read, not just him, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but no,
0: I'm not like. Oh, why did I have this child? Like, <laughs> like that in there. Well, uh, what about those things that you wouldn't want anyone to read? I guess that's a question I'm always like. I was getting at with yeah. my ancestors is like, what is that thing? Honestly, no, by the time I'm dead, I don't think I'll care. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I really it, don't. It's like things that you keep private. But at the same time, it's not like th- probably things you're ashamed of. Or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> but
1: don't know. Ashamed isn't the right word. It's it's something it's just very extremely private. It's extremely personal. I didn't write it to share with anyone else. I wrote it because it was on my mind. It was what, what was going on in my life. And it was what I wanted to uh, to record at that moment. But mm-hmm. I didn't write it for posterity. And I certainly didn't read it for any future children to see. But having said that, I think if I were 95 years old and my grandkids came upon it, I'd probably have a laugh, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an answer for the question of what to do with journals.
1: No, I can't. I can't either. I mean, I can't get like I mentioned in that episode, I love getting rid of stuff,
0: mm-hmm. but I'm
1: also extremely sentimental. So I have a hard time getting rid of uh, personal things like letters my son's drawings, things like that. Yep. For so sure. I really don't know. Like I eventually I'm gonna have to start throwing away his school notebooks and I just don't know how I'm gonna do it. But I have to. I saw how much he produced in just first grade alone. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't, you know, we don't have the space. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'll have you'll have like bedside tables that are built out of spiral notebooks eventually. <laughs> and yeah. then like a dresser. <laughs> It is a really, really interesting question. Well, if you listening have any thoughts about what should be done with the journals, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Or, you know, here's an idea. Make sure you write it in a beautiful journal, like a beautiful leather-bound
1: journal. That way, at the very, very least, it'll look pretty on a shelf, right, in your bookshelf, <laughs> even if no one's looking at it, reading it. It'll look nice.
0: That's true. I've always been more inclined to shove it in a drawer, but I have a whole desk drawer that is just journalists from Rome. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a waste of a drawer, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in some ways that it, that comes to the, that need to also protect them in a way. You stick them in the back of the drawer, you put mm-hmm. a bunch of radio equipment in front of it and on top of it. And it's <laughs> not like there's anything in there that nobody like I could just start reading them on the show. That could be the next four years but it'd be really boring. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing private in it, but there is something about the journal where you kind of want to squirrel them away. You don't like thinking about other people coming by and picking them up and reading them. Like if it's just sitting on your desk, I don't want Derek coming by and being like, hmm, I wonder what Katie's been thinking about.
1: No, you know, And that's the other
0: interesting thing about them is that they are these vulnerable spots where you're just like laying everything bare that whoever lives with you can... Come by and wait till you're not home. Not that I think that Derek would ever be interested in doing such a thing, but you know what I mean. We have a tendency to yeah, treat the them like we need out to squirrel there. them away. Yeah, we have a... Yes. It is kind of an interesting impulse, too, that humans have to, to write things down that they don't want other people knowing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I know. And also, I think that if you are a writer, those journals, especially if kept during a very momentous moment in your life can be a wonderful resource if you ever decide to write about that time. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to write a memoir or whether you want to write fiction but you want to draw from your own experiences. When our friend Suzanne was working on one of her memoirs, she, she used to write me letters during that period of her life and she had me go through them and, and scan them and send them to her because there were things that she'd written in her letters to me that she hadn't even written in her journal, Mm. which is also interesting. Yeah. And there were things that she had completely forgotten about. So whether you write it in a letter to someone or whether you write it in a journal, you know, I think there are so many things in our lives that happen that when they happen, we are convinced we will never forget because they seem so noteworthy at the time. But if you don't, Write it down, you're very, very likely to forget.
0: Mm-hmm. like either
1: you tell somebody and you tell people like it becomes one of your stories, like mm-hmm. you tell people the story a lot, yeah, and then you will remember it,
0: sure, or you write it down. otherwise, you're likely to forget
1: unless it's like a true trauma or something,
0: yeah, yeah. and once you write it in a memoir, <laughs>
1: well, yeah, then it's really <laughs> and I there. can
0: say this because I have written the not published entwined with Tom Cruise's memoir about a certain period of my life once you've spent that much time writing a memoir about a certain period I think I wrote that over two years all of a sudden that becomes the way that you are able to tell that story you you've picked all the pieces together and you've encapsulated it in this this way and um You know, it's almost like you take all these old memories and you put all the pieces together in a different framework. And now you're like, I not only understand that period better, I now know how to talk to other people about it. (laughs) There you go. So that's a reason to write a memoir, even if it never actually sees the light of day.
1: Which I do not think is uh, a, a foregone conclusion with your memoir.
0: No, I don't think it is. But I don't think it's going to be the first thing that I ever write that comes out. I think it's a little too quirky uh, for an unknown writer, perhaps. All right. We'll see. I am not shelving it forever, but I am shelving it for now. Okay. Well, thank you to Mary and Teresa for sending in those thoughts. And of course, if you have any of your own thoughts or other topics you want us to do on the show, you can always write to us, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Find us on social media, Instagram,
0: Facebook. What's the other one? Ah, Twitter Twitter Uh, (laughs) are we still on Twitter yeah technically I guess we are yes Um, we are just
1: search for The Bittersweet Life podcast
0: yes you will find us there and until next time this is The Bittersweet Life I'm Katie Sewell I'm Tiffany Parks join us again bye if you love the show take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts we love to read while you listen and your rating might help someone else discover the show take just a couple of minutes to let the world know what you think of this show It means the world to us, thanks.